Jack Bauer fan? Jack is not back, but 24 is, in the form of 24 Legacy. It's time for more 24 Legacy, which means it's time for more 24 fans. Check out the best 24 fans appreciating 24 Legacy now over at 24legacyfans.com. That's 24legacyfans.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. It's a shame that each season of a television show only has one finale. While that might sound trite, it's true, really. Life, death, death, life, action, nostalgia, rich storytelling. I guess that about sums up this entire episode. Have a great evening and just kidding. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, season four's finale, episode 22, World's End on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Super fired up to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but first, some quick housekeeping. A reminder about voicefarmers.com. I just officially broke the champagne bottle on the front end of the new website today. That's voicefarmers.com. Mm -hmm. That provides you with all kinds of delicious yumminess, samples, and detail about either becoming a voiceover artist yourself or as a company, business, or effort needing professional voiceovers done at an incredibly affordable price. I want all of you to go check out voicefarmers.com right now. And remember that's voicefarmers.com. There you'll see the corn-cobbed microphone that'll detail everything no matter which direction you choose. Voicefarmers.com. Last call for input. It's the all-fan input episode for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and you have to get us your feedback for this season real damn soon because we're closing the doors here shortly so we can start compiling all of the fan feedback so we can share that with you, the audience, inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. To do that, go over to agentsofshield.tv, click on the Contact You Guys Talking button, fill in the quick web form, and tell us what you think about what you're seeing inside of this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Enough for now, it's time to dig deep and long into this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the season finale for season four. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Well, the day I was born, another story about another black car. 
There's several movies and television series I think of when I think about awesome black cars. Everything from Smokey and the Bandit to Knight Rider to a little movie not too many have seen, Better Off Dead. Inside that movie is a Camaro not to be missed, and it reminds me very much of what we see here inside the beginning of this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Again, the return of the glorious 69 Charger, decked out, completely done in superb graphics. And I'm not talking about a flame job. I'm talking about digital flame job, dude. Oh, yeah. Incredibly well done, incredibly impactful uh, and it's not even all that long. I think that's what I enjoyed about everything inside of this episode, just as quick snapshots, mm-hmm. is that they are. There's not something that drones on here, as well as there not be something that is accidental, jump cut, change the camera angle every five seconds just to do that. Right. Everything inside of this episode absolutely moves at the perfect pace inside this episode, and it is heralded by this gorgeous black car that we see. <laughs> The extracting of powers for infusion of inhuman powers. Now, there's another reason I'm going to share that I'm using the word power so many times inside of one sentence there. But what I wanted to absolutely take advantage of is that Fitz, inside of the awesome framework world, has now pioneered the extraction of powers, obviously through ridiculous, torturous stuff he doesn't want to... He's desperately trying to forget. Right. But the fact is that it is now established, whether it be in real world or not, it doesn't make any difference. The ability to do so is now inside the lexicon of a universe that not only stretches into movies where we've already seen people inside the Inhumans universe, but also into the new television series that's coming out. And so, again, what this show continues to do that really impresses me is it continues to take the gloves off for all kinds of things inside the Marvel Universe. And that's why I think this program does not get the heraldry that it deserves. There's a platform that Agents has created really since day one that is unlike any other property inside of Marveldom, which is what I think keeps it running so rich and flowy for so long. I think if Disney slash Marvel would just grow a pair Mm -hmm. and realize that we get the concept of a shared universe. We, we we got that when you started making the movies 10 years ago. Yeah. We, we get that. Yeah. You don't have to set your television properties apart from that universe. Or what I really should say is, hey, how about a little nod in your movies to the TV stuff once in a while? Yeah. Again, I, this is something I have nickpicked to death. Yeah over the last few years about this show is because the shows, specifically Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but the other shows, of course, the, the stuff on Netflix, they all do a nice little tip of the cap, wink, let you know, yeah, we're all part of the same universe without having to hammer it over the head. Well, guess what? The movies don't really do that. Yeah, It's about time, folks. It, it needs to start happening. Yeah, it, Not only does it need to start happening, there's a whole bunch inside this episode that we're going to talk about that really does make it completely viable to do so. I can't wait to get into it. Speaking of powers, powers booth. Inside my social media news streams, I unfortunately read words I didn't want to read for a very long time. And it was... Tombstone star Powers Booth dies at 68. Mm -hmm. And 68, 
I, I don't know how many of you still have your parents or how old your parents are. My parents are 76 and 75. So they have had very long lives betting on U.S. averages, blah, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so 68, I just can't imagine my parents being gone at 68. More importantly, the acting power of Powers Booth being gone at 68. Right. Very troubling. Very troubling. And uh, again, the I love the word Powers mostly because of how impactful he was inside of every single role that he had, regardless of how small or large it was. And I wanted to make sure that we gave him at least a dedication point here inside this podcast for everyone to remember their favorite Powers Booth property. I think uh, almost immediately I have to jump to where you may not have remembered him. It's 1984's Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. And inside of 1984's Red Dawn, he played the downed jet fighter pilot. And his portrayal there is nothing short of Powers Booth-esque, full of acting power. Not giving us the standard relationship with Fitz and Simmons. Looking at this episode and these characters, in particular these two, being painted after what is a devastating realization by Fitz over the last couple of episodes, there's a whole lot of problem hills that their relationship could fall in, especially because if it were to become Mm -hmm. soap opera-esque, if it were to take on all of the ridiculous natured relationship tropes that you see inside of television and feature films could all be used here and they would mostly be appropriate. I mean, it doesn't get more devastating than, hey, you were the Dr. Mengele of a computer-generated universe. Great going, Doc. Right. So I'm really glad that they didn't fall into the tropes. They allowed us to stay reasonably positive and move forward inside the episode and not let the relationship that they could have shown inside this episode drag not only the episode down but the overall relationship between these two down that you and I really really like well there's no time to deal with it uh, very similar to Colson and May's entanglement yeah. there's no time to deal with it it's a fast paced episode but very similar to the previous episode there's so much going on that it has to be fast paced mm-hmm. And sometimes, again, just like the previous episode, there are things that feel rushed because we don't get enough time to spend with these characters to deal with what needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. And by the end of the episode, we'll find out. Setting up peril from Mac and Yo-Yo and the framework verse. You might think, hey, Mike, that's just really stupid. What do you mean? Of course there's going to be peril. But what I would show you inside of many other television programs is, one, typically there is no peril established, which is, I think, a worser crime. Mm. Or very often the peril is so thinly veiled that it doesn't really read or come off the script as being written as peril. And in just a few short seconds, right at the beginning of this episode, the die is cast for absolute peril for Mac and Yo-Yo without being melodramatic. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see it painted and the story moves along. The story moves along because of the pace, but also because of what has to happen in the next 40 40 minutes or so. Right, right, right. I could swear that was Ward Silhouette that Dr. Radcliffe shoots in the back. 
Now, I don't know if it was the stuntman for Brett Dalton, the guy that plays Ward inside of the series, but damn, that guy looked just like Ward. In fact, I'm like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. That's how they're going to get rid of Ward in the other verse? He's going to accidentally get shot by Radcliffe? And thankfully, there's nothing at all that indicates that that's the truth. Right. But the guy that gets shot, I'm not kidding. You all need to go back and look at it. In fact, uh, you won't have to look at it at all because I captured it on my camera, which I will now show to Nick. And, Nick, you can see the silhouette, obviously somebody that resembles Ward. However, the face, that's definitely not Ward. No, not Ward, but looks like Ward from behind. <laughs> I'm talking, you got to be kidding me. They didn't bother showing him for the last three episodes, but they shoot him in the back with a uh, with no face shot, essentially. I mean, it, the face shot is so quick. I had to sit there and 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 step-by-step step it through my DVR list to get the, the picture to take, but th- that blew me away. And it, it is not him, just to verify that as well. Right. It is not, not him. him. The simple, practical erasure of the framework. Something that you and I have talked about, especially inside this last season, the last time I remember really, really focusing on it was right when we were learning about the uncle and the siege of what looked like this very stagetorial furnace room. Remember that? Where it looked like it was a set off of a stage. Mm. And not a bad one. It looked good, but it was just obviously looking set-like. Well, and in that, what you've got there is something very simple with some lights, maybe some little tiny flashing effects that are digital. But inside this episode, as they continue to to destabilize the framework, Mm -hmm. it's wonderful because all it is is a series of deletions or lights going out or stuff being removed from a set. Right. And really little else. Now, there's that one spanning shot that we see where Mac looks and, hey, look, the bridge and traffic is gone. Hey, look, there's no city over there anymore. So that establishes it, sure. And it's digital, yes. But the vast majority of representations in regard to the erasure and the deletion, air quotesness, all of that is all practical, and it pays off in spades inside this episode. And I'm sure had they had the money, they could have gone for the more dramatic deletion of using the effect that they used two episodes ago when the framework shuttered and everything looked digital for a moment, I'm sure they could have made things look like they were slowly floating away. The code was breaking apart. And that also would have been visually interesting to see. But again, where this show is concerned, less is sometimes better than more. And it has the creep factor to it. Not Instead only, of yeah, actually seeing yeah. something slowly disappear, something's automatically just gone. Yeah. Just just pop gone. And the incredibly effective use of not only excellent camera techniques, not only superb lighting effects, it allows there to be a canvas that the actors can then act. Mm. It's, it's just really well done inside this episode. And again, my complete kudos to not go in super digital high hog, got to do it inside the end of the season finale. Because you didn't have to, and it worked out wonderfully. Sometimes not having money works. Rolling Thunder and Flame Incarnate. There is a wonderful scene here where the roll-in of Ghost Rider into the arena where 
Russian pseudo ambassador guy number six and yet another one of the LMD Russian guys is there along with Ada and enrolls Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. And they have made a character out of that car. They have they have anthropomorphized the vehicle as much as they have Reyes as the Ghost Rider inside of the series. And again, my total kudos to that. I don't think people understand how, you know, you go, wow, that's a kick-ass car. It's going to live all on its own. Well, guess what? You didn't even have to show it. They didn't show it for the first 10, 12 seconds of this scene. They just had you hear it. Right. And you know, that's power. That's power. Robbie and Ophelia square off, and the effects are literally off the chain. It's so short. It's so impactful. But damn, it is so good. The fire effects off the chain. The chain effects literally off the chain. Right, right. I mean, they, they are wonderful. Somewhere somewhere they got together and they put together a, a, a quality control crew for all of the flame effects, but more importantly, these chain effects. Because if you think flame going where it's not supposed to could look stupid, flame and chains look stupid real quick. Mm-hmm. None of it, zero of it here doesn't meet the mark of excellence. And so my total virtual cap off to everybody that has done the fire and chain effects inside this episode, as well as the season, they are just brilliant inside of this this very, very short face-off. And unlike the first half of the season when Robbie would sometimes just get a little hot under the collar... Uh, this episode is filled with full-on face-burning-off moments. Yeah. Several uh-huh. face-burning-off moments yeah. from not only Robbie, but uh, from somebody else that mm-hmm. we'll talk about later on in the review. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, unlike before where it was, well, he's Robbie until he has to be Ghost Rider, then he stays Ghost Rider for a while, that we, we go back and forth quite a bit during this episode, and I really, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of not getting stupid and lazy with the effects. They had the money, the budget, and they spent it in they spent it well by focusing on the ghost rider effects uh, and they they saved money by not showing digital wispiness of the falling of the framework. Yeah, as well as the, the uh, in several instances practical effects were used for the transportation effects of Ophelia inside this episode. Mm-hmm. And so again, I, if you can do that do it. Yeah, do I, it. I absolutely, after you establish it in a couple of scenes, I don't need to see it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference to me. And if it saves you all kinds of awesome budget, well, then absolutely do it. Talking Tech. Inside of many episodes of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, we love to talk tech. Inside this episode, we are once again focusing on wonderful simplicity. It is inside of digital effects, but the digital effects I'm referring to that provide probably the simplest representation of what they're depicting inside of this entire series is the degradation of the entire framework. Mm. The graphics that are used inside of this scene and another scene later on towards the towards the crescendo of the episode are wonderful. It's so simple. It looks like a cumulonimbus cloud that is just disappearing every now and then. Right. There's just pieces that are just now not there as they descend. And it is wonderful. It's, it's superbly indicative of what's going on where somebody's there and now they're not. 
where there's a town there and then suddenly there's nothing where they just blink out of existence forever and again that's it does a variety of different things but more importantly inside this episode it stokes the peril even higher and that's why I think that it wasn't digital, that you have no high-end digital effects inside this, where, you know, the one that I always think of is uh, inside of the second Matrix film, where you have Agent Smith, who has been found out, and then you see Neo Vision across his head, and then it looks like a baseball bat's taken across his forehead, and he kind of... Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's the high end of what could have been shown here for people just... Blah, 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 right, digital, right. Digitizing out of existence. They didn't bother to do any of that. You just aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And again, with some excellent creative camera moves, some superb lighting effects, and just the the fact that you're moving around somebody where you established and saw something previously, then the camera moves and they show you again, and it's completely different. It's great. It's really, really good stuff. That's where we ask you guys, what did you see inside this episode? I mean, there were. There were a lot of tech moments inside this episode that you can absolutely call into question. Tell us which one you're focusing on by going over to our website. Again, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Daisy and Robbie have a chat. They've really painted this relationship wonderfully. Uh, You and I have talked about this a couple of times inside of the first quote pod of episodes inside Mm -hmm. of this season right and inside of this episode there are some really really excellent very quick touching moments between both of them that don't really mean anything but really do provide character glue between two of them Mm -hmm. it's very well done and it again could just fall so far into that soap opera e oh look it's jake and jake loves stephanie and now they're going to fall in love well, you don't have that. No. You don't have that inside this episode, and I really appreciate that. No, it's it's all done through glances, looks, not it, it's what's not being said that says everything. The irony of Robbie being called released when Ophelia was created. Now, this is excellent. For those of you that just kind of shot by this, this is actually a little piece that's revealed that really does work inside the timeline. Something I remember Nick talked about, and I was listening to a couple of other podcasts about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recently. They said kind of the same thing, too, where, oh, look, it's Ghost Rider. Boy, that's convenient. Right. Well, the gist is that it took them a while to get back, I'm assuming. (laughs) But when she was created, so three episodes ago now, I guess, Mm -hmm. is when the release started and he just got here. And that... Again, it helps to paint the rounding outed picture of what we're seeing so that what is shown inside this episode is that much more impactful. I, I really like that a lot. The way that Robbie makes it sound is until Ophelia created her her real life body, the ghost rider was just basically tearing through this dark dimension mm-hmm. and uh, kicking ass, taking names. But once Ophelia created her her human body, it was like a flare. And the flare led Robbie to where he needed to go to open the portal to be there at the base. Because, strangely enough, we find out that Ophelia is made of dark matter from the dark universe and the same stuff that the dark hold, the dark chocolate, is made out of. 
The Earth is just one territory in a war that's been going on forever. These are the simple, vocal ties into the rest of the Marvel verse that pay dividends immeasurably inside of something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're also a great sample of what we're looking for that will allude back to what's going on inside of the televised universe that should be inside of somewhere inside of each of the feature films somehow. Especially as we get to the end of this episode. I really have to wonder if, you know, maybe we went back and looked at the script of Guardians 2, there would be something. But my God, what a what a strange little crossroad that could have been, which we'll talk about. But I, I just, I love it when I hear things like the Earth is just one territory in a war that's been going on forever. Because that instantly opens up a door for anything that's going to happen forever inside of the Ghost Rider-verse, which I absolutely want us to eventually get to somehow. Well, it's not only that. It's not that the Earth is just a territory. He, he specifically states that hell is relative because there are dimensions, there are planets, there are planes of existence mm-hmm. that are just as hellish as hell. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. That right there, to me, not only does it make mention of things that were discussed in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Again, this show, the be- the first story arc with the introduction of Ghost Rider was the supernatural being introduced before a movie did it for the Marvel uni- mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. This again is setting up something that is going to happen later on this year with Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Now, we've established the fact that Asgard is not another dimension. It's another planet. The nine realms, the it's, it's all, again, like Robbie says, it's all relative. Right, right. Now, if you know anything about the Thor comic books, the bad guy in Ragnarok is Hela, the ruler of hell, Asgardian hell. So the fact that we have made mention now in a television show that there are worlds and dimensions that are just as hellish as what we conceive as hell, the fire and brimstone, it's, it's building yet another bridge to another movie property Mm -hmm. that is not going to take the time to say, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Agents of shield. We're we're not going to get the nice little nod back. But thank God we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because at least that show constantly reminds us that, yeah, all of this stuff is connected. Whether they want to remind you or not, we're going to keep reminding you. And it's stuff like that that makes me appreciate not only the crafting of this show, but the people behind it who are fans of the source material. Marvel Comics at one point in time, and they're, they're getting better now, but at one point in time, it was a shared universe. You could pick up a copy of Fantastic Four, and there in a panel, just randomly, Spider-Man's swinging by. Doesn't interact with any of the characters. He's just swinging by. But it reminds you that everybody is in a connected universe, yeah. and it all matters. And just this little bit of dialogue writes off the coincidentality of Robbie showing up at the end of the previous episode. I mean, it it completely, completely explains it away. Yeah. The other cool part is that this is a piece, 
it is wonderfully done. It's done exactly the same way inside of the original Thor film that I thought was wonderful. That scene with... Natalie Portman's uh, Jane Foster. Yeah, Natalie Portman's Jane Foster and Thor, where he explains, you know, what you think is magic, we consider science. It's just advanced yeah. science. That's all it is. I, yeah, I, I love that. I love that it's boiled down to its constituent parts and it becomes instantaneous connective tissue for not just the universe inside of Marvel, but for the characters that are sharing the information. This this one short line that we've now gone on for almost eight minutes on right. it was a very short line delivered uh, from Robbie after just finishing some awesome kick-ass ghost riderness right. to Daisy inside of this. And it instantly endears him to her and vice versa, but then also creates this wonderful tortilla that wraps both of them inside the Marvel Universe. It's perfect. Another representation of audience speak. Radcliffe talking to Yo-Yo, then Mac. I wanted to make sure that we talked about this point. It's almost effortless time-wise. It, it just accidentally happens, and then Radcliffe goes on to some exposition inside the scene. But what I have always loved about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and continue to love about it is that they will very adeptly, it's not always multiple characters, but it's usually two. They'll usually take two, char- two or three characters inside of an episode, and they'll make the people speaking or asking questions that the audience is either thinking or if they could stop the episode and go, oh, wait a minute, what about, and then ask a question. Well, they have one of the characters do that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how thick that was until I started listening to the the Avengers Age of Ultron Blu-ray commentary sets. And inside of it, they talk about that's done intentionally. Mm-hmm. And that that is followed from way back then, in fact, really in previous movies, from way back then into this series so adeptly. Just aces, man. I don't, right. I don't have enough praise for things like that. Oh, yeah. Because it really does matter, and it helps propel the story, because we'll stop asking the questions and shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. The value of making a little perfect girl into a soon-to-be-erased tragic character with a soft musical lilt. This is wonderful. It is the best kind of storytelling that there is. Because when Yo-Yo meets Hope, you instantly are endeared by Hope, period, paragraph. Mm-hmm. There is nothing you could look at Hope and go, my God, she's a devil. Nothing. There, there is no negative connotation at all of Hope. Hope is the outgoing child that walks up to people that need to be included inside the story and welcomes them. Oh, hi. How are you? What's your name? And it's perfect. It's perfect. You are continually introduced to this little girl that interacts with her surroundings, interacts with her father, provides wonderful fatherly experiences because, as we all now know, he's going to have to latch onto those because of what happens at the end. Right. Uh, again, where Hope is concerned, it's and it, she's had the effect on all, all the characters who retain their memories of the real world. Yes, she is a bit of code, but she's a bit of code with the personality. And after a while, you forget that she's a bit of code. But then you remind yourself she is a bit of code and she's going to go bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, again, engenders that, that, that peril. 
because of the simple graphic of things disappearing, because of the storyline that's being propelled as we're sitting there watching it, and you can start seeing things disappear around you, the bus scene, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. Uh, all of that is just wonderful that you can just drink in with your eyes. It's wonderful. The strange excellence of this book opened my eyes and will guide everyone to L. Ron horse crap and a headshot. Boom! <laughs> There's something I heard inside of another podcast that I wanted to make sure we addressed. And they were talking about how ridiculous it would be that two Russian envoys would go to this meeting of security people and their fix. They won that they'd have to give in an offering of what everybody should do so that everything will work out just fine is all you got to do, need this book. Done, period, paragraph. Sign me up, right? Wrong. <laughs> you have Talbot absolutely lay down the, the Elrond horse crap gauntlet that I absolutely loved. And then walking in the door, the, the, the whole book thing is wonderful, engaging, and forces the audience to pay attention. Absolutely. Except it's drawing your attention away from what is awesome coming in the other door, which is Daisy, to blow his head off. <laughs> right. I, I thought that this whole scene was wonderful inside of where it happened, as well as the cadence. The cadence of this scene is very, very strange. I don't quite know how to describe it. I always like to go, if there was a way to describe a scene with numbers, you know, like, okay, so this scene is 37559. And that would show you the progression of how things are amping up. Right. Well, I wouldn't be able to do it with this scene because it is just that awesome. Uh, the, the variance that happens inside the scene, the things that you see, the, the pseudo-daisy that's implemented, which we'll talk about later on, uh, it, it is an extraordinary scene. And then, of course, ultimate shooting kick-assery at the end of it. Oh, I just I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Well, this was a scene that, for me, kind of felt, again, more rushed than fast-paced. Mm -hmm. To back up a little bit, this meeting of security people is happening because certain security agencies want to put the kibosh on S.H.I.E.L.D. completely. You know, want to put the final nail in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s coffin. And Talbot is doing everything that he can to make sure that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. As yet another thread in this already very thickly woven tapestry of a story for these last two episodes... This is probably the most important because, well, if you don't have the if agents of Shield don't exist, do do we have a show? You know, if there is no more Shield, then is this Coulson and his merry band of men and 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 women? What what, what do we call this show if there is no Shield? And for this scene to not, it's impactful because yeah, Talbot does get shot in the head, but it happens so fast that you don't really. There's no time to grasp the gravity of the situation. S.H.I.E.L.D. is not going to exist. Now, of course, this is all part of evil robot Russian's plan because the camera is capturing LMD Daisy popping a cap in Talbot's head. Mm -hmm. So I get it. It's just, for me, I guess story-wise, I really wanted to know a little bit more about that aspect. Who wants to shut S.H.I.E.L.D. down? What is S.H.I.E.L.D. going to be replaced with when it is shut down? Will it be replaced with something? Because those questions really do come into play once we get to the end of the episode. But we get no answers. And I felt that if maybe we had a little bit more time here, we could have. But, of course, there was no time because 
<laughs> These last two episodes are just boom, 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 boom. Ruski bot leaves the dark chocolate. This right here. <laughs> I I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't. I couldn't quite believe my eyes when I saw this. Uh. But like, if there was ever something to protect and make sure that it didn't fall into quote evil hands, right? This this is it. Why why would not you even just evil pick hands? Up out of the room other hands. This is the uh, book that's that that is part of your master plan. It's the source, right? Right, and yet you you leave it behind, even though you've taken a round of bullets to your chest that doesn't affect you because you know robot, <laughs> right? But you still run away and leave the book. I get running away and leaving the book. Run, run away to fight another day. Get I gotcha, but you you leave the you leave the book. What what? Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Here is the other piece that I I instantly thought of this, and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. Over the course of insert number of weeks that all this stuff has happened, we have gone from we can take people that are knocked out, conked out, however else, jack their brains into this framework verse where they can see and experience things that they think are not only real but reincorporate back into their woken lives as literally war crimes that's all splashed on. It's super real. Got it. No problem. In addition to that, we can also create a series of bodies, whether they be mechanical LMD people, that look like people walking around with emotions and memories and everything else. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. We can create that. We can create the digital world. We can create the LMDs. Got it. Then we can also create this new tearing a hole inside of the unholy dark chocolate society realm that is so huge that it calls back Ghost Rider from his dark ass kickingness going on inside of whatever verse he was in. Okay, got it. So we can create those three things. But what we can't create is a faux dark chocolate dark hole book because that's what you take to that meeting. You don't take the dark chocolate book. You take a fake one, idiots. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even a superhero in LMD and I know that. If you can create all this other cool, kick-ass stuff, but you can't create a book like that that just kind of looks like it, you, you and I could walk down the street to the dollar store and grab a giant dark Hershey's chocolate bar and go, boom, there's our dark chocolate book. Have at it, MFers. And it's good to go because it's the dark chocolate book. And these guys can't come up with a symbol to that? Not going to work. Not working for me. Yes. Well, I, I stand by my original statement that this <laughs> Russian bad guy, whether he being in his human form or now in this, I control a whole bunch of LMDs at one time, he's he's an underwhelming bad guy. I just don't care. And I, I, this I, right I, here I, proves. I, I sadly join you in that. And I, I understand why the book is left. I, I do. Don't misunderstand me. I do get it. It definitely helps to foster the rest of the story, especially right. the crescendo, as well as creating the question marks at the end of the episode. And it's wonderful. I love all that. I just know that there had to be a way. There could have been a better way somehow. for the book to get left behind than, whoops, I'm or, being shot. I must run away. Or it be taken. There are so many LMDs, and couldn't another one have been destroyed and then the book be taken from that LMD or something? Something in between what we got, which was, oh, I've been shot. I'm going to walk in the opposite direction because I need to and leave the book. No, I, 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 I can't see in any verse where that would be a priority that he would just go, meh, I don't yeah. care.
yet another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I know all of you are saying, Mike, this is a show about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. How about getting back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? We're going to get back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in just a second. That's exactly how I sound. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was trying to do him, but I I, I just, well, it was actually perfect. Okay, anyway, so yet another Pirates of the Caribbean movie is on the way. Now, traditionally, I will just bend over and and shat upon just about anything Pirates of the Caribbean that's after, I think, maybe the second movie. The rest of them were just... Hideous. The second movie was just a long commercial for the third movie. First movie, first movie. Uh, wonderful. That's what I watch. Yes, me too. And it, it's the only one for me. Although we've also done reviews of the second and third one. So you can go check those out over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Yes, I will get right onto that. Which is actually why I, I added this because I do want you to go and listen to those perspective reviews. They're good. But we had every intention of doing the fourth and then this fifth one that's coming. But I have to tell you, they're just not on the radar. The fourth one is a terrible film. The fifth one, it looks like the effects are going to be wonderful, and it's got the bad guy from a previous Bond film that I really, really like. It's that Javier uh, Bardem yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah the guy, the guy from, from Old Country for No Men. Yes, and no I hated co- no that country movie for as well. Old men. I hated that movie as well, but I loved him inside that movie. So that's got me. I'm going to watch it just because he's in it, not because I care anything else about the entire franchise. That and the effects, the effects really do look stupendous. Though the, all those movies are, have stupendous effects in them. So anyway. Yeah, I well, that's to, what they're known for. They're effects movies. Yeah. They're effects action yeah. movies. Well, we're definitely going to get it inside of that. And anyway, I want everyone to go and listen specifically to our perspective review of the very first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, The Curse of the Black Pearl, because that is an excellent film. Sadly, I'm not a part of that. Uh, you're not. We didn't know you. However, inside of that movie, guess who's inside that movie? Our friends from Pirate Pictures, Gail and Wyatt are actually in that, that review that film with us. So oh, make sure you check it out. Oh, look at that. Again, it's over at twoguystalking.com forward slash pirates. We'll also put a link in there for Pirate Pictures, a really wonderful guerrilla filmmaking outfit that has really blossomed into something much larger. Go check them out. They're over at piratepictures.net, and we'll put a link inside the show notes for this episode over at agentsofshield.tv. There's still a pulse. They'll be back for that. And I had a lot of time to think after you shattered my spine. This wonderful set of lines is delivered right after the books left, after the Russian guys get shot. And it's delivered by a series of people inside of different scenes that you're seeing inside of the inside of the cadence of the episode but it's all wonderfully paced and so that again we're going to get to it later inside of the rating set but that dark chocolate crime inside of inside of this episode is quickly painted over with some wonderful line writing inside of this scene uh, here's okay I'm going I'm, I'm going to continue my nitpicking here because yes evil Russian robot leaving the dark chocolate that's a that's just a huge strike right there but here's here's my problem. If we were going to come back from commercial break mm-hmm. and then establish that Talbot is still alive, there is still a pulse, then why go for the headshot? When I saw that headshot, then it fades to black and goes to commercial. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there in my chair. I'm like, holy shit, they just killed Talbot. Mm-hmm. With a headshot. Because it's a headshot. Right. By the way, I don't know if I told you this, Nick, but did you see that Talbot died of headshot? Uh, it's a headshot. Yeah. Uh, now, How many people do you know wake back or are still alive after a headshot? Now you say Are you going to tell me that a robot, an LMD robot, missed 
No, it just wasn't using a high enough caliber and didn't uh, penetrate far enough into the brain, and so sorry, he's going to have no. memory problems. No, it was all no. Here's the thing. Here, get. <laughs> I know we praise the writing on this show, but this right here, that was just for a reaction because it looked cool. Had we had he been shot in the chest, and then we come back from commercial break. There's still a pulse. Paddles. Totally would have bought. Yeah. Totally would have yeah. bought it. No, nope. you don't I'm, even I'm have to show the paddles. You. Just get them out of the room. So anything like that would have been wonderful inside of this scene. It is definitely a, a, a chalk inside of the the negatives inside of this episode. There's no question there. And I too am totally wondering. I get the effectiveness of hey, how about a headshot? Okay, how about a headshot? <laughs> but if we're going so, to do a headshot, the person needs to die. It needs to be. It needs yeah. to be impactful and, death. Because you're doing an impactful shot. Right. We don't have Bang. that yet. We don't have it yet. And who knows? We might. The perfection of Daisy Bot. I want to applaud the actress that plays Daisy Quake slash Sky. Again. Because what they have done inside this episode is they've got Quake that is wonderful looking. She, she, they, she, they have... They have painted her, we're going to talk about this later on as well, as the, the value and what Daisy has become now. It's, it's wonderful. But what I want to focus on is Daisy Bot inside of this because the actress has painted, as well as the production design team, a perfect LMD slash robot Daisy. The makeup's just a little bit more pristine. The hair is perfectly in place everywhere. Mm -hmm. The outfit is absolutely prepped and ready in every every imagine and style you can think of. The only thing missing, the gauntlets, as well as a spry, smart-ass style and attitude. But it is perfect. I want all of you to go back. It only It's only there for a second. She's standing next to, to Ophelia, and you only see her for just a moment. But go back and look at it, and you go, that's not Daisy. But it is Daisy Bot. You follow me? Right. It's it's incredibly well done, and that they can pull off those nuances, in particular, right after these couple of dark chocolatey headshot crimes. <laughs> Again, it speaks to the magic and pacing of this episode. LMDs versus Quake and Robbie, wet and electrically wild. But what about puree mode? And I realized after I wrote the words puree mode for my skeleton for this episode. It was actually liquefy mode is what I, what I remember using inside of a previous episode. Mm, yeah. Because I'm telling you, if I have Daisy's power and I have the gauntlets and I'm not going to get hurt by doing anything, sorry anybody that's in my way because you're going to be a very small spot of goo either on a wall or in a jar. I'm telling you, blah, 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 blah. that's it, done. So I was very elated to see what she finally pulls off here with the LMDs, in particular with Robbie. But I just wanted to make sure that all of you understand that, like, I'd go, hey, how's it going? And it would all be done. I think we have firmly established the fact, Mike, that if you had Quake's powers, you would not be a superhero. <laughs> Daisy coming into her own in a true Marvel team-up moment. This scene needs to go down in all Marvel team-up reels forever of Marvel heroes. And I, I hope you all understand what I'm saying. Daisy slash Quake has finally become Quake to me mm. after this scene. 
we've seen her do a bunch of pe- things and powers and even the the uh, pressing Madame uh, Hydra inside of the previous episode through the glass window. Yeah. That was spectacular. I mean, yeah. it was just awesome. But this move that's pulled off with Robbie in tandem, it is the sample of the Marvel team-up move. And I will even put it in the same category, the same category as the fastball. Because, fastball special? Yeah, the fastball special, because it is that good. Which we've never gotten right in the movies. No. Only only in the comic books. Right. Actually, unless you read X-Men comic books, folks, I, I'm sure you don't even know what we're talking about when we say fastball special. Right. Fastball special is a move perfected by Colossus and Wolverine, because in the comic books, let us not forget, Wolverine is five feet tall. Maybe five, five two. two? Yeah, five foot two. Like that, depending on what shoe he's wearing. <laughs> right. And Colossus, when he powers up, when he becomes Colossus, when Peter becomes Colossus, he actually grows in size about another foot. Yeah. So Wolverine, his feet can sit in the palm of Colossus's hands to where Colossus can just throw him. Yeah. Throw when him like a fastball. Right. It's, it's where Wolverine will actually run mm-hmm. at Colossus. Colossus will use his momentum to grab him, and then Wolverine's legs and body and the movement of all of that are used to propel him towards whatever it is, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a one of the giant robot sentinels, uh, sentinels yeah. whatever. 30-foot-tall uh, sentinel throwing it, it, him right it, at a damn robot. It is amazing, and I'm telling you that this moment inside of this stupid comic book series on, on ABC is the first place to pull off a real super-duper totally satisfying Marvel team-up moment. It is spectacular, and I hope you all will go back and watch it again, and more importantly, tell us what you thought of it and why it was special over at our website. You can do that over at agentsofshield.tv and tell us about what you saw inside of just an extraordinary scene that is so lightning quick that even Coulson complains about missing it. (laughs) That was the perfect exclamation point inside of that point. It was just wonderfully done. I know you two have a lot to work out, but I need you on the same page. There's something about leadership that a lot of people mistake for being bossy. And you need to be the sergeant. Tell people what needs to get done. It needs to happen right now. And I I think one of the best samples I can give you is the forever talking about jockopodcast.com. Go over to JockoPodcast.com and listen to a man named Jocko Willink, a former Navy SEAL who led the team that helped to defend the city of Ramadi in 2006 and 7. And you will hear the voice of someone that knows, not only knows leadership, but can exude leadership so that it spills on others and they become more powerful, more experienced, more educated leaders themselves. Now, you hear a guy that led the team to defend the city of Ramadi and you think, oh, military, got it. So he's barking orders over there on the right, right now. Get to it, blah. I would propose to you that we see one of the finest moments inside of leadership shown inside of the Marvel Universe right here from Coulson. It's so ordinary that it is extraordinary. And I will always remember this. It really is the piece. Look, this is not about anything that you guys are experiencing. It's about this. And that's it. It doesn't have to go any anywhere beyond that at all. And the other thing that's wonderful inside of this, the cinematography inside of this episode for the most part, except for the missing dark chocolate and the headshot thing, was just wonderfully shot. 
this scene that you see, the short line that I use talking about here, is so they really had their game on shooting it because the expressions that you get from Simmons on the left and Fitz on the right and in between them is the back of Colson's head. You'd think to yourself, so let me get this straight. He offers up leadership to these two people and they acknowledge it, but you see the back of his head. Yes, that is exactly what I'm telling you. All right. It's incredibly well done, but it also shows you the care that they used to paint Phil Coulson. And I love it. I absolutely sop it up with a biscuit. It's just great stuff. Well, it's not just Phil Coulson, though. It's also the fact that this team has been together now for four years. Yeah. They've been through thick and thin. They've, they've gone through hell. They've been to other planets together. They have defended the Earth and he doesn't have to bark orders. It's 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 a page that they all know that they need to get on, but he just has to remind us. Like we'll we'll get to all of our personal stuff right now. So let's set that aside. Let's all get on the same page. Let's get through this. Then we'll deal with all the bullshit that we have to deal with. Yeah. The bus ride will all remember. Full traffic. A greeting, breaking the hard news, facing the hard facts, and wondering when the big chocolate man's going to make me cry. I knew 10 minutes into the episode that something was coming. I just didn't know when they were going to bother to pay it off inside the episode. Mm. And so I'm waited with bated breath to see when Mac is going to make me cry inside this episode. For those of you that don't know, I am a father of a 13-year-old, and I absolutely love her to death. And all of this little drifting into familiness that they have here, and you know, what if your daughter was never around? And what if she just disappeared one day? All of that hits a completely different heartstring than someone perhaps without children, but it absolutely hits strings. And just seeing this place where poof, people disappear, and poof, the bridge and city disappear, and poof, wait a minute, who just disappeared? I I could sense it coming and it was preparing me. But what really happened inside of this is a wonderful platform for the actress that is Yo-Yo. Uh, we're going to talk about her further on inside the episode, but uh, the, this whole episode, while she didn't start off with much of anything but screaming, this whole platform inside this episode that's created for her is a perfect acting platform that she pulls off wonderfully. <laughs> A way more supportive robot may. <laughs> this was this was another quick throwaway line from Colson inside this episode that was incredibly well placed because again we're coming off this incredibly not quite yet heartbreaking moment and this helps take the take the edge off wonderfully inside the storytelling as well as propelling what's going on because they are preparing for doom and they've got to get ready for it. Right. <laughs> Ophelia bamps in and push the break. <laughs> this, is, this is great, but it's incredibly comic booky. It is something that this show has done since the beginning and continues to do wonderfully. Where they're propelling the story, not quite sure where we're going to go. You have a very touching, heartfelt moment. You know that something bad might happen, but you don't know when. There's then this very touching, take the edge off moment. And there's this very touching, almost comedic moment that takes the edge off of everything. And then Doom arrives and... Time for a commercial. Mm -hmm. 
it, it's done it since day one, and this is another perfect sample of them doing it really, really well. Right, right. Well, I mean, there's a formula for everything. There's a formula for television. There's for, Well, comic books, the most important thing that uh, specifically... Peter David, one of my one of all-time mm. favorite writers. Rah-rah, Peter David. We'll link has, him up inside of the show notes. He's done more than just comics, but mostly well-known for his, his comic book work. One of the things he always tells people while writing is, is that that last panel... That you the last panel needs to make the reader want to turn the page, yeah, and that's what or buy the next book, or right. or if it's the end of the book, that last page or panel or, or series of panels makes you want to buy the yes. next issue, yes, and very similar like this, something like this makes you go, oh, okay, well I'm not going to get up and make a sandwich, I'm not going to get up and go to the bathroom, I'm mm-hmm. going to sit right here because I don't want to, I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that is back in the old days when you couldn't. Fast forward through commercials and DVR things and, and blah. Because there are some people who are not watching this week to week. There are some people who are going to be watching this season in a big bulk kind of a moment Don't, to where right. this mm-hmm. isn't going to matter. Right. This right here, not going to matter because three seconds later, it's going to fade out of black and we're back to the action. Mm-hmm. But the formula for television is just like this, just like for comic books, just like for movies. In movies, if it's a horror movie, every 10 minutes, you're supposed to have a scare. In an action movie, every 10 minutes, you're supposed to have an action sequence. It's a formula. And even though television is changing, they're not really changing the formula, yeah. where at least network television is concerned. You know, sometimes it's a little it's a little hokey. Mm-hmm. Let us not forget, we just talked about it a few minutes ago, Talbot gets shot in the head and commercial sure. break. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like yeah. this. Only only now this is more peril. We see Ophelia has Gemma. We're, we are now concerned, and I'm sitting in my seat. Right now, where it has followed through inside of, uh, we'll, we'll call it a template, and I don't mean to be negative by saying that, but it does fit into a template mm-hmm. uh, inside of where I remember first seeing it is inside of the very first season of Daredevil on Netflix from Marvel. Mm-hmm. And what they have absolutely painted in there are similar kinds of breaks to go to a new scene. Mm-hmm. What they've absolutely painted in is the end of each episode. Right. Where you are now ready to hit the next, wait a minute, i got to see the next It's like, part. oh, i got to go to bed after this episode. Then the episode ends like, no, i got to watch one more episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They, they absolutely have that. The other thing that I love and why I love watching this show with my wife is, again, my wife is deaf. And so she doesn't get any of the musical cues so that when you see a giant close-up of Ophelia's face and she says her line, her stickler line inside of here, ha, 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 and underneath her, underneath her line you'll hear like the, the violins going, and then it goes to black. Okay, well, she doesn't get any of that part. Right. And so the reason that she knows that something has happened is because I'll look at the screen and she can see my face go, oh, son of a bitch. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And she'll just sit there and laugh forever and stuff like that. So, again, it's a, it's a, it's a really great time where my wife gets to make fun of me. Yeah, awesome. well. Anyway. anyway married uh, life. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, it, it's, a, it's another excellent, excellent piece that's used here wonderfully inside of the middle of the episode. Being ringside as Yo-Yo is allowed to shine, but she's not real. This was the first moment inside this episode when she says, but she's not real. There's a different side of this actress that we have not seen, like at all, Mm. inside of the series. 
And from here on inside the episode, gold. Oh, it yeah. is acting gold from her. She doesn't say a lot. There's a couple of scenes that just absolutely tear me apart that we'll get into when we get to them. And But it is absolute shine time for her. And she knocks it out of the park every single time. Well, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for the character to have or I should say to showcase her softer side, yeah. the emotional side. Yeah. We had a little bit of it at the end of the previous season when she took the bullet for Mac. She was fine, but you're you're worried that, oh, she might not be fine. She might not pull through. And, you know, we, we, we were rooting for the two of them to actually start a relationship. And through this season, it's a very strained relationship because of distance and time. Yeah. And then the... Uh, revelation that Mac did have a daughter who passed away as a child. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're throwing all of this and then all of a sudden, oh, well, robots and framework and evil and ah. So Yo-Yo really had to just be Yo-Yo until now. Now we actually get to see what Mac, even though this isn't the right Mac, Mac doesn't remember this Yo-Yo, mm -hmm. But we actually get to see what Mac has been able to see in those quieter moments as viewers never got to see because it wasn't necessarily important to the narrative of the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now it is. Yeah. Yeah. And she delivers it wonderfully. Yeah, it, it's, it's sumptuous. Just wonderful, wonderful acting work done here. The teeter-totter of Fitz and Simmons coaxing Ophelia into murdering. Going back and watching this a second time, it is even better the second time. Reminds me very much of the second time I saw The Usual Suspects, mm -hmm. where you finish out Usual Suspects, and it's just so delicious that you can't believe so many of the different things that you can't believe you didn't see the first time. And inside of this one, it is just wonderfully crafted inside this episode, mm -hmm. because every single button you can imagine is pushed with a with just thumbprint, just <laughs> the, the giant palm pushing button. It is it is stellar inside this episode where they just they're, they're pushing the little kids' buttons, waiting for it, and and finally it happens, and it's just it's it's luscious. Watching this episode, I was actually very concerned because, and and we've mentioned it in previous episodes, we haven't actually talked about it yet. Spoiler alert, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been renewed for season five. Oh, thank you for putting the spoiler alert. We yeah, wouldn't, want, exactly. wouldn't want to ruin that's, anybody's day yeah, by I know. announcing that that's, the that's, series has been renewed. That's me being an ass. <laughs> but anyway, the thing is, though, is that unlike most television shows, most of them will get a, a, a call for renewal before the, halfway through the season when you get the order of a new season halfway through your season, you're not done filming your season yet. Mm -hmm. So you have to think this episode was shot with them still not knowing if they were coming back for a season five mm -hmm. and not knowing how the episode ended at this point, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh wow. They thought they weren't coming back. They're just, Oh God, no. Oh, please don't kill Chima. No, my God. Oh, and we're just going to get rid of Mac and, and Yo-Yo, too. They're going to just die in the framework. We're just going to kill everybody. Fine. <laughs> Thanks a lot, ABC. <laughs> That's what I was thinking at this moment in time. Now, of course, you know, the episode goes on and other revelations abound. Mm -hmm. But 
at this moment, I'm like, they're gonna they're gonna kill her. And I, I was actually, I, I really wanted to just walk away from the show, and I was like, if I don't see it, it never happened. <laughs> I'd never have to finish it again. I mean, sure, right. I'll never be able to do the podcast either, but right, if I right. walk away right now, she's still alive. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, a wonderful, wonderful teeter-totter where they just pack and pack and pack and pack and pack. And then throw the rope-a-dope. <laughs> Total rope-a-dope. The damn rope-a-dope. Beyond rope-a-dope with capital R's in it, dude. Just amazing, amazing. And the rider rides another soul and what it means for the future of Coulson agents and Marveldom. This was just the first seed that was dropped here. Now, I didn't write down the exact quote because they were all very similar. Super, super cloaked, but pointed cloaked comments inside of this, this episode. And I mean, you know, how, how do you evoke the ghost rider and promises and it all somehow stays light <laughs> and the answer is that it doesn't it, 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 there's no way it can it can no matter how lilting and cloaked the comment is it's all big business we are talking about some superbly game-changing stuff that's coming no idea what it is i don't even know if the writers know what it is yeah but we are going to see some you gotta be kidding me game changing that's gonna involve Colson and or Robbie and the Ghost Rider and whatever is going to be impacted by all of that. Well, you gotta look at it. Now Colson has alien DNA in him mm-hmm. and has now been possessed by a spirit of vengeance. And a frickin' shield hand. Right. Dude. He's 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 the <laughs> robot, he's the alien, he's the he's the demon. He Colson is your every man for the Marvel Universe. He's literally been a part of everything. He's the Marvel Swiss Army knife. Absolutely. He is the he is the Marvel Cinematic Universe equivalent to Rick Jones (laughs) from the comic books. Because Rick Jones debuted in the very first issue of Incredible Hulk. He's the whole reason why Bruce Banner got bombarded with the gamma bomb. Mm -hmm. And Rick was the Hulk's quote unquote sidekick, wanted to keep him out of trouble. But Rick Jones was known as the professional sidekick. He was he was actually Bucky for a little while for Cap when Cap got thawed out. Mm-hmm. He then became a, 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 a vessel for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. He's done everything, and that's what Phil Coulson is for this cinematic universe. He's done. He's been killed by a god, brought back by alien technology. Has a robotic hand with a kick-ass force field shield on it, <laughs> and has now been possessed by a spirit of vengeance. Yeah. I mean, what else can this character do? It's extraordinary, and I love, I love, love, love this funnel that they've created with just these tiny few comments towards the end of the episode. And I, I, I seriously, I can't wait to see what that's going to pay off. Yes, because it's going to be a bridge over everything that we see now for Agents of Shield, as well as what we see inside of the Marvel films. I know it's going to pay off. Watching a gorgeous woman melt to ash and be tossed aside like a pile of nothing worth zero. This destruction scene, after Phil Coulson has obviously taken on the Ghost Rider power, it is horrifying. You see this gorgeous woman burned to death, just just outright, like she was in a fire. Fire takes about eight and a half, nine seconds to happen. 
And then he lifts up the body and then just tosses it aside like it was nothing. It was an old pile of logs. And it is horrifying. But that's the kind of end that Ophelia deserved. And scene. I mean, it, it, it's wonderfully done. The, the twist that Phil's able to do it without there being some rip off the Mission Impossible mask and, oh, look, it's, hey, it's Robbie with a mask on and now he's gotcha. I love that. I love the quick step around of, well, now she can't bamf out because I've got a hold of you already. Right. Because they tried that, too, so that you and I can't bitch about it. Why doesn't she just bamf away? Yeah. Well, it's because he's holding on to her, and he now goes with her. And they show that. Yep. They show two or three different structures where all of that actually happens. Mm -hmm. they, also, they also bother to show it in three dimensions, which I really appreciate. Right. They don't just shove it into, now they're in the bathroom. Now they're in the living room. Now they're in the lab. Now they're back into the living room. They, they don't do that at all. They show them falling. They show them moving. They show them going through stuff. And then reappearing where it finally just happens. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love definitive stuff like this because it instantly paints the picture of what I know I want to see, especially when, um, excuse me, it's the spirit of vengeance that has you in their hands. Right. What else is supposed to happen? Answer is soul is supposed to burn. The only, and, and I'm not even going to call this a complaint. This isn't a complaint. That's it. You're worth nothing. No, no. I'm going to burn you alive and it, throw you into the ashes. I, 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 no need for white hot <laughs> hate to burn me to, to white hot ashy hate. ashes. It's, uh, we, we talked about this in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. The battle, the throwdown between Ghost Rider mm -hmm. and Ophelia. Mm -hmm. And what was that going to entail? The mm -hmm. thing is, it entails in nothing. There is no throwdown. It's I wrap my chain around you, we teleport to three different locations together, and then I slowly burn you to death to where you are nothing. There's no fight. And I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Technically speaking, for a show like this, you would expect a big superhero, supervillain throwdown. Mm -hmm. And we get tiny throwdowns scattered throughout this episode, mm -hmm. but we don't get the epic battle of good and evil. Mm -hmm. It's a burning you to a charred mess. And and some people may may complain about that, may have one of expected something bigger. And the thing is, is that for this episode, I've said it a few times, less is more. Mm -hmm. And this is fitting for Ophelia, because even though we've said, as Ada and Madame Hydra and everything else, great villain, this is the the a fate fitting that type of villain. Because this world is ending, and I don't want you to end with it. There's got to be six or seven different things that I could use as bullet points to go back to to talk about what Yo-Yo tells Mac that are incredibly impactful, right. that are incredibly short, that would give anybody pause even if you did not want to live without the semblance, the computerized digital world semblance of your dead daughter. And it is wonderfully crafted inside of this episode every single time that it glances the page. It's just wonderfully done. <laughs> Imagine any other program's season finale with 4.5 minutes left that isn't, quote, on fire or, quote, exploding, and instead has two people and a vanishing piece of hope on a couch.
So we've left it quiet there intentionally for a moment because I want you all to process what we just saw here. There's four and a half minutes left in this episode and our epic, giant, scaled crescendo is exactly what I just read. That's power. That is a show that is totally confident in its writing process because traditional shows, four and a half minutes left inside the season finale of Insert Name of Program, shit's on fire, shit's exploding, action-packed everywhere, everywhere burst, blah. That's not what needs to happen here. It doesn't. And I want to congratulate and applaud the writers and the, especially the creative powers when they read something like this on the page and they go, hell yeah, make that. Because this is what I want to see. Right. I don't want the 39-minute through Star Trek Voyager fix to impact anything inside of Marveldom. Nothing. Which is why I'm so appreciative that they've bothered to bridge these pods, these different little storylines, these arcs inside of the story development process. Because what we really have not had to worry about at all for the last three seasons, for the most part, is... Oh shit, 41 minutes through a 43 minute episode. We got to hurry up. We don't have any of that. And even inside of this insanely paced episode where so much happens inside of it, we still don't have to do it. And it is, it is magical for doing so. I, 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 I cannot clap loud enough for the people that make this show and act in this show to make what we see here at four and a half minutes left. Yo-Yo sees it first. I want to thank the writers also for me being able to get impassionately involved in my four and a half minutes left discussion that I completely ran over where there is no more hope. <laughs> because going back to see it again the second time, I noticed that Yo-Yo saw it first. Mm -hmm. And that got me. Right. Hardcore. And uh, wow. Just Wow. Again, four minutes left in the episode, and what you've got is two people sitting on a couch consoling each other. Period. Paragraph. Scene. Mac tears. Yo-Yo arrives, and Mac? Mac? Perfection. A lot of you might have thought this is a little tropey towards the end where the real move would have been to kill Mac or something, something other than what happens here. But I'm telling you, especially after the couch moment, I don't know how more perfect this could have been. It, it's, the, it's the other end of the spectrum where hope literally disappears. The hope of having a daughter, gone, Psst, gone, nothing left. And then on the other side of the crescendo, you have the absolute knowledge that he came back and didn't die. Uh, this is, again, another one of those weird little storytelling teeter-totters that is absolutely perfect in every way inside the span of 35 seconds. Well, the interesting thing about it, too, is, is that Yo-Yo obviously walked through the door first. So not knowing, so she, she didn't do anything to drag Mac with it. So she was going to leave Mac. And Mac chose to come back yeah, to the real very world. Very well said. Very well said. So that's something interesting for the two those two characters to carry forward where their relationship is concerned. Yeah. And it really does plow through. I didn't put in here that the kiss was incredibly appropriate 
the the scene between the two of them as they come back and they have their moments with each other it's spectacular it it shows a very caring relationship that has nothing in the realm of stupid soap opera on televisionness at all and I, I really enjoy it when they can create relationships like that that we get to watch and, and, and drink in and be really satisfied with because it is not traditionally what you get on television. It's just not. Right. And as, as much as we want to see more of that, it traditionally is not the way it goes. You know why he made the deal in the first place, don't you? The concepts abound. What does it all mean, Nick? Where can we go with knowledge that there is now a debt to be paid to the ghostwriter by one Phil Coulson? Because, like, <laughs> it's so wide open. It's where you go, Marvel's just going to take that same old crapola, go grab comic books and make all kinds of movies based on the comic books. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> I, I love this. I absolutely love this. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. But uh, I think something a little bit more interesting is the giant continuity error that takes place during this scene. Kind of surprised you didn't pick it up since you'd picked up the last giant glaring continuity error with uh, Papa Fitz not holding the tablet in the correct hand in the, the, oh. the, the reverse oh, scene. Oh, okay. Well, you so, know what it is? I was, I was absolutely enamored and drunken by the dark chocolate being left behind. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the problem. As this episode progresses from, well, the, your finales go boom, 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 boom. You go from Coulson dealing with Ophelia and you go back to Robbie and Daisy looking at Yo-Yo and Mac, hoping to, trying to give them more time, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That goes, that's simultaneously happening at the same time. Well, if you look at Robbie, he's got his chain wrapped around him, mm -hmm. while at the same time, Coulson is using the chain to burn Ophelia to death. But then in this scene, when they talk about, you know why he made the deal, right? Coulson is handing him his chain back. He's not wearing the chain. He puts the chain on. Big glaring mm. continuity error for mm. me there. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where this leads us, but uh, evidently somebody wasn't doing their job properly <laughs> on the days that we were shooting these scenes. They didn't know if they had a job yet. That's well, why. all right. Well, we're not getting renewed. Why do I got to worry even, about they it? They weren't even there, man. Yeah. Mac ends up being the half glass full guy. Awesome, just awesome. Wow. Awesome. I, I, I guess because we it. have so much dark going on with some of the other characters, we had to have a light moment. I'll and just, and you know what? I'm fine. I am. At, yes. I, I Round of applause. I'm fine with it. Absolutely love this. It would be so easy and so trope to now paint the dark down inner mm -hmm. for Mac as a character and, you know, needing to needing to have yo-yo by his side so as to stave off the the dark knowledge that he had to leave his daughter behind blah no we're not doing that no yes i absolutely love this uh, something that we talked about inside the 24 podcast over the last three and a half months with it is being able to have a hero 
that you can paint as a hero. <laughs> I'm so tired of heroes having to have some sort of, you know, knock that you have to dig deep into and let it let it completely embroil their relationships. I get that they have lives and that yes, sometimes those that those things do impact relationships. But there's something about a hero and a leader and people that are in situations that are tough and even the ones where people die and those people bounce back. This is the seeds of bouncing back and I love seeing it and I love that he bothers to share it with her. It's, it's, it is extraordinary storytelling. And again, it's so quick. Uh, the, the stuff that you and I have talked about across the last, over the last hour and 22 minutes is this. We've talked longer than this episode is on by probably double by the time this is edited. Right. And these little moments that we're talking about, they're not long moments. I think they're maybe 12, 15 seconds at a time often. But that's how much thought process is evoked by seeing these things because they're on the page, because they're conveyed by actors, because they're shown inside a regularly provided television program or in, in your case specifically, an online streamed television show right. that's not watched at the time of original airing, but then wraps itself into this gorgeous universe of Marvel cinema. And it's brilliant. It is brilliant stuff that is not being attended to and deserves something way more than two days before we get the finale they then get the green light that they get a fifth season. Yeah. This, it really does deserve more, without question. An outstanding send-off for Robbie. This is brilliant. If they have not yet plotted it, which I'm guessing that Kevin Feige's whiteboard, massive, ever-expanding whiteboard inside of his bedroom slash home office slash whatever the hell, it has to contain a Ghost Rider node inside of it. This send-off is spectacular. This episode, for as little as we got Ghost Rider, is spectacular. It, it's really, really good. And paints a very dark picture of some... Now, you, if all of you thought that Doctor Strange was trippy, you wait to see what can be painted inside of the universe of something like Ghost Rider. Because it can happen, it can happen quick, and more importantly, especially the way that they're working CGI inside of this program... I don't think it would be terribly expensive. I think that they could put together a very, very good script that could be pushed across 13 episodes inside of a Netflix-style environment, whether it be on Hulu or somewhere else, wherever. I don't care where, but I would love to watch it. I would actually prefer it if it was on a network with a little bit more money, a little bit more production value, because mm -hmm. you do Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is going to be... If you do Ghost Rider right, it is going to be very visual effects heavy. Mm -hmm. Now, the great thing about it is, is that if you want to spend the money and do practical effects, it's going to make it even better. Mm -hmm. But, of course, we all know that practical effects cost more than digital effects, so we're going to go with digital effects. This would be Marvel's opportunity for their real first step in the direction of showing the horror of yeah. the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Ghost Rider is, well, he is your chauffeur into those dark spots of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Or he should be. He can be. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange also, but Ghost Rider more specifically. Mm -hmm. So with the departure of Robbie opening up his own portal, and again, that is the exact same effect from the Doctor Strange movie. One to one. No, 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 so, no question about yeah. it. Yeah. 
and you, they, you don't even get a real clear vision of where he walks onto. Is it another? Is it a, a, another section of Earth? I mean, is he still on Earth? Is he in another dimension? Is he on another planet? Uh, the questions. Four minutes now, less than four minutes left of this episode, and all of these questions that they keep piling on before they're even done yet. And oh yeah, just a few days before we we announced that they get a season five. Oh, because I'm sorry, had they not been renewed and all of these questions were still left unanswered, I would have been raising holy hell on ABC. Because that is just ridiculous of how how you would run things like this. You don't leave all these things dangling and then just say, oh, well, you know what? Screw y'all. We don't care about you. We're not making enough money. We don't care about you. No, you don't do that to your fan base. Give me a Ghost Rider show. If it happens to be on ABC, all right, sure. Put it on at a later hour. Put it on at the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock Whatever, you know, so you can do the dark stuff. So you can show some oh, here you go. really cool decapitations. Right, and it won't obviously won't be in the fall like we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. Right, right. But, again, if it was the this show, 7 o'clock, the next show, 8 o'clock, and then uh, Ghost Rider, 9 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You got yourself a... There's your a trifecta. There's your popcorn evening, and there is... Marvel Block. Dialed in success. Awesome. Thank you. You may make the checkout to Mike and Nick at the Agents of Shield Podcast TV. Fitz willing to own it all and realizing the value of team. This is wonderful also, not to bludgeon you all with Jocko Willink talk, but the value of extreme ownership is that you own the problem. And obviously Fitz steps into the ring and owns the problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely willing to not only take on the responsibility, but it looks to me like bite every single bullet that's going to be shot. And without being melodramatic, without getting the round-the-horn baseball toss that is often terribly used inside of television programs, you get a wonderful scene where each of them gives their thoughts that instantly bolster the support for team and that we're going to get to it we're going to get through it all together. Right. I love that. Uh, again, it goes back to that same concept where, wait a minute, where's where's the next rape scene? Wait a minute, where, where's the next super-powered scene? Where, where, where's all that? Where's the next car crash? Why aren't cops getting shot here? I, I don't need to have any of that. What I want is the, the connective tissue that matters to be painted and enjoyed from the team of actors that are doing this. And this is what, it's absolutely what we get here. I love it. One would think that even not knowing whether or not they were going to be renewed, they had at least the majority of season five plotted out because, you know, they're leaving all these questions unanswered. One would believe that they have a plan. Okay, so sticking with that plan, if you wanted to make things simple, this is the easiest way out. One man takes responsibility for everything that has happened. Mm-hmm. You get to save Shield. Fitz goes away and pays for the sort of crimes that he did commit, but he also gets to punish himself for the crimes that he committed in the framework mm-hmm. because those are still weighing on him, mm-hmm. even though they didn't really happen. To him, they did. Mm-hmm. 
It's a memory. It's not just a dream he's waking up from. It's another life that he has to now incorporate into his real life. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense for a character like that to want to punish himself, even though he really didn't do anything wrong. And had they gone that way, I would have bought it. Uh, I would be upset because then, you know, Fitz would be the character behind bars in a super maximum prison come season five. And if we ever needed him again, we'd have to break him out or something like that. And again, compelling storytelling, but we don't have to go that way because Daisy says, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you didn't do anything wrong. We're a team. Remember, I blamed myself for everything that bad that had happened. And I went off dyed my hair and put on different clothing. That was a a rebel. Yeah, rebel. Woo! And she even realizes that that was the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. And she says, Fitz, you were the one who brought me back. You don't need to do what I did. Just, we're a team. We'll deal with it together. Again, more incredible connective tissue. Yeah. And this is our team. This is, I mean, add Mac, because Mac joined the team in season two, but still, this is this is our Agents of Shield from Episode One. Yeah, they're gonna stand together. They're gonna take their lumps together. The closed captioning simply reads: "Waves crashing." Dot dot dot. Doctor Radcliffe is sitting on a beach with a bottle of scotch and a glass with a serving port. And in the middle of who left room for pie? <laughs> it's such a strange scene. And what the, the subsequent piece that happens here is also just as strange. But again, I go back to it's completely outside the box. I mean, like, where else do you have something like this that is on that stupid, quote, comic book show on Tuesday nights. Mm. And that they bothered to go here and give some quality together time that is almost completely unstructured with the exception of needing to make orders. This, well, I'm, I'm sorry, this, this is just not what I was expecting for the, the last two minutes of this episode. I mean, it was great seeing them all together eating. I was like, okay, well, you know. If we're possibly going to go to jail, kind of want to get a bite to eat first. All sitting in a nice little diner, all enjoying their company, having having a little nosh. We get a nice little pie reference, and then lights go out. We get we get all dramatic, and somebody's come for them, and we get very Men in Black mm-hmm. because this shadowy figure we never see their face mm-hmm. pulls out this device that glows green. And everybody freezes. What? Again, more questions. I'm still, I'm still caught up on what pie I was going to order because <laughs> they had so many varieties. And now I'm wondering who the hell is this guy mm-hmm. with the glowy green neuralizer thing? Mm-hmm. Unlike what usually would happen, we would go to a commercial break and come back for thirty seconds, but we don't. We fade to black mm-hmm. and Coulson wakes up mm-hmm. enough sightseeing Phil time to get back to work huh? this, yeah, this, this is extraordinary mostly because I, I love 
there's there's a couple of references that we can use for the pie scene, the diner scene. But then there's also one here that I will admittedly use that I loved, which is this is the Frodo waking up moment of the first of nine different endings for <laughs> right. for the for the Lord of the Rings film. And the, the the value of what we get here is one time has passed, which I love seeing. Mm-hmm. Two, and I only got this on the second the second viewing. Phil is incredibly familiar with his surroundings. Yeah. So he's not waking up out of his being frozen. He's waking up because it's another day and it's time to wake up. And he knows which buttons to push. And he knows where to go and stand. And he knows how to lift the shade. And it's all part and parcel. He's telling himself to get back to work. So he, this is evidently his room at his new job. Yeah. And what I love is that it folds into every single piece of what we've been talking about during this episode, which is ask the questions and get them back for the next episode. And it doesn't disappoint, like, at all. No, well, I mean, it actually infuriates me because there are so many questions. Unlike past seasons, the cliffhanger was usually maybe one, possibly two things. But it was an ending to your story arc and then a hook to bring you back for next season. This, there is so many things just left unanswered Mm -hmm. that you can't even start wrapping your brain around what it all means. Mm -hmm. Where are we going to be when we come back for season five? Uh, Phil Coulson's in space. He's in space. He's on a spaceship, man. And to me, that only leads to one thing. There is another organization in the comic books that is an offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. protects the Earth on the ground. But then you have S.W.O.R.D. S.W.O.R.D. We've mentioned them at least once. We've we've talked about it before in the past, but the acronym is is Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Mm. Basically, it's all about protecting the Earth from anything out there mm-hmm. that would want to come and mess with it. Mm-hmm. Do we no longer have a shield? Is is it going to be agents of sword? Questions that, that I'm sure me and other fanboys who watch the show are going to be just tearing themselves at the bits over the summer and beyond until this show comes back for answers. But it makes me angry that there's so many questions and I didn't get any answer. There's no answers. Yeah. Not even hints to answers, but that's good storytelling and I can't uh, I can't complain about that. I, I think it's exquisite. I I I love the mood I get put into after I'm done watching these episodes because it instantly makes me want more, which is exactly what the dyed in the wool people making the program should want. I, I love that. It is fulfilling a purpose as well as our need for great content. <laughs> A last powerful nod. We had talked about talking about Powers Booth again, and he appears in so many different movies, but also in a variety of avenues here inside the Marvel Universe. So I thought we really should give him some dedicated time inside of this episode as we say farewell to Powers Booth. Uh, For those of you that have forgotten, he was in the World Security Council. In the Avengers film, Mm -hmm. right? Right. 
And then he was uh, Malik inside of our wonderful Agents of Well, that's Shield who he was in the Security Council. That's right. who his character was. So, I mean, right. he they actually brought a character that had maybe 30 seconds of screen time in that movie. Mm-hmm. And they bring him back to make... Basically, he's your baddie mm-hmm. for season... Well, he starts off being your baddie for season three, then takes a back seat mm-hmm. to, to, uh, hive. to Hive. Yeah. But you still have Powers Booth around during that season. And one of the one of the things, I mean, I know everybody loves his portrayal as Curly Bill in Tombstone. There's no denying that that is a great performance mm-hmm. in a great movie. It takes a talented actor to play a type. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, Powers Booth has played villains. Mm-hmm. But he's played some of the best villains in both television and film. Yeah, without question. So there's there's no question about that. Uh, one thing though that is kind of that is extremely sad is when you think about it is how much Powers Booth has crossed paths with the late Bill Paxton as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Not only mm-hmm. in Tombstone but also on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never shared a scene in Agents of Shield, but they are still a part of this universe. They are a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And sadly to have lost two great character actors that because of their greatness are are a part of this universe. That's why you're invited to play in the sandbox because you are a caliber of entertainer like Bill Paxton mm-hmm. and like Powers Booth. And and again uh, the world's the world's just a it's a little bit of a sadder place without Powers Booth. E- even though he's played bad guys, he's always great to watch. Yeah, again, the power of Powers Booth is that there's nothing you don't instantly recognize him in, and that's the mark of a great actor is making your impression inside of whatever role you're in. So mm-hmm. again, our unfortunate send off to an incredibly powerful actor. It's time to take a break here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, our complete and detailed review of Season 4's finale, Episode 22, World's End. We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Four Legacy features a new hero, a new day, a completely new cast, but also tons of new 24 fans. It's time to participate with all of them over at 24LegacyFans.com. That's 24LegacyFans.com.
What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore, all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares you? Only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at VoiceFarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, VoiceFarmers.com. That's VoiceFarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of every single episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This time, it's Season 4's season finale, Episode 22, World's End. Traditionally, when we come back from break, it's time to open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. But we're not doing that right now. No! We are not. Because a strange thing happened on the way to the dossier segment. Well, I love this program, and I love the characters that are painted, and I love the storytelling that is so rich and deep. What I hate, hate, white-hot hate, about this program are the people that are trying to foster it Mm -hmm. in that it takes so long to get a green light on another season. Now, I, I, guys, I realize we're going to have the storytelling regardless of what's going to happen in the next season. But there's a piece of satisfaction that's completely eclipsed by a fan when you don't know if the program's coming back or if it is going to come back right. or if it were not to come back what we've got to anticipate. I, I, I luck out in that I don't traditionally do that except when I talk about stuff like that with you inside of the program. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like think, okay, well, if it doesn't come back, are they going to wrap up all of these holes that are left inside this? I don't traditionally have that unless I'm talking about things like that with you. So right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't want this program to end abruptly ever. Right. Oh, no. I want, I want some really nice tethers that complete that connective tissue that you and I always talk about inside of this show to be done and wrapped and connected to something before they just decide to go snip the ties like a like a smaller HD vasectomy. I don't want anything like that when they finally choose to not have the program around. Well, a bigger problem, especially where this extended not knowing is concerned, anytime I've tried to talk to people who love the movies, love the Netflix stuff, but didn't stick with Agents of Shield. Ah, see, I, I watched a couple yeah, episodes of season fell one. Fell off. Yeah. It's like, hey, here's the thing. Go back and rewatch it. It gets better. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> but when they hear that, oh well, it's not coming back for a fifth season. So why bother? Why would I jump back into this show when it's just going to end? Eh. 
And that makes me upset because I have no defense for that. Yeah. It's like, uh, well, yeah. unfortunately, I do not have a crystal ball in front of me, and I cannot tell you yay or nay because the powers that be haven't decreed yay or nay. Yeah. So yeah. get off yeah. your ass, people. Yeah. Ratings don't mean what they used to mm -hmm. because people do not sit in front of the television when things air like they used to. Mm -hmm. There are way too many other options now. Most of the time, it's DVRing or watching it from a streaming service 24 hours later, like I do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure, I'm, I know, I'm not even sure, I'm positive that all of those things are taken into account. They have to be. Mm -hmm. We have the technology to do it so that we have to have the technology to be able to categorize all of that. Mm -hmm. There has to be a nice little spreadsheet somewhere that some person hunched over a desk goes oh well people are still watching this and it's been proven mm -hmm. the show did get quote unquote higher Hard ratings, ratings mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. the season progressed <clears throat> maybe it's because i just really am against network television these days I prefer more of the streaming service that's going to give you 8 to 13 episodes boom this is what you're going to get we're going to tell a story and if it so happens that you like this story We'll, be, we'll tell another story later on on this same service. Network television is becoming this place where, oh, uh, we don't know. Oh, uh, you've got to tell us. Oh, but nobody's saying anything. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why we constantly tell our audience, hey, don't just tell us what you think about the show. Tell ABC what you think about the show. Mm -hmm. Tell, give them suggestions about what would make your viewing better. And maybe even tell them, hey, why don't you get off your asses earlier in the year and decide, are we going to renew it or are we not? Because, again, this was a complete gamble. This was a complete gamble for this season finale because had this season befallen the same fate as Agent Carter season two, I, I don't know if I would ever watch anything else that ABC put out regarding the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. because they're not treating it with the respect that it deserves. Yeah. And yeah. they're not treating us as fans and viewers with the respect we deserve. Yeah, the, the, what this is all leading to and why we inserted this segment before our dossier sets is really bold and plain. This is where I want to talk about what is going to happen with this television show, there's several different announcements that have been made in just the last several days. Yes. The first one was gargantuan green light for a season five for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Woo! And All again, right. Bravo. Yes. Awesome. I, I just do not understand why it's always this last minute, last ditch. It's dangling from a cable and its throat's going to be slit so it can bleed out. I, I don't understand that with this program. I just right. don't. I don't. You have an incredibly qualified writing staff. You have actors that really do care about what they're doing on screen. Nobody is phoning this television program in. No, nobody. nobody. The smallest roles that you can find inside of this program. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Nobody is just showing up to collect paycheck. And that all has to be recognized inside of a view that has to be something other than, well, the ratings weren't there. I always hate it when somebody says, well, you know, the numbers weren't there. I, you're not looking hard enough. Then. Yeah. There, there's... Not only is it is it quality, but it paints this wonderful tapestry that wraps into the actual film, feature film universe. So if you think you can just cast this aside 
and then hope that the other players inside the other verse that have nothing to do with different letters than you are not going to somehow take up the slack of, of what people are watching. Yeah. You're an idiot. More importantly, you now, you have to team that up with your new freaking program. Mm. The other announcement that was made was that Inhumans will now, there's two things that are very exciting. The first one is that the very first two episodes, I guess? Two the, episodes, the yes. Two hour, the two-hour launch of Inhumans on ABC is actually going to be held inside of the IMAX format. Right, right. I traditionally skip everything IMAX. I will not be skipping this. Mm -hmm. I will go and I will watch this. I will absolutely go and see the first two hours inside the IMAX format, and we'll have some sort of segment inside of our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cone to come back and tell you about what we see and what we're experiencing. Because inevitably, what we've seen at the end of this episode is somehow tied to that. You it, would it, think. It, you would think. I, I, I have you to would believe. Hope. Yeah. I have to believe that there is something in the middle there. The other news that was released was that the Inhumans program is actually going to be airing on Fridays, an hour after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being moved from Tuesdays. So there, there's a couple of things that instantly boggle my mind here. One is, especially because of the generation I know that I'm from, and also from the one that you're from where I can name six different programs on the Fox network that went to Fridays and then went to TV, went to TV heaven. Right. I don't know what to think of the Friday move, except that I hope it's not going to be what I consider the death, the death knell for a program. Because every program that I've watched, especially the line of Fox programs I can list off if you want, but uh, they die. They go to Fridays to die. They don't go to Fridays to get a bigger audience. They don't go to Fridays to pick up some extra awesome during a season of something else. They don't go to Fridays because they've got to offset something inside the sports cone. They go to Fridays because they want them gone. And that it's being partnered up with this very short eight-episode series of Inhumans. I'm hoping that that is a really, really good bet on Black. I just know that Fridays typically are death. Well, and again, that could be the old ways. Friday may not mean anything. Yeah. Well, it's like I was saying, the streaming services, nobody sits down and watches TV. I don't think people are actually going to be sitting down to watch Inhumans or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Friday night. They'll have it DVR'd or they'll wait to watch it on Hulu yeah. Saturday morning, afternoon, or evening. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it may just be because they want something else on Tuesday nights. Maybe they've got a new show coming out on Tuesday nights. I would not believe that they would put so much time and effort, especially if they're going to do an IMAX premiere for Inhumans. Why go to all of that trouble to make this special if you're going to put it on a night that would be typically known as the death night for television shows? Yeah. So what we've got now is that instead of getting our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in September, we get Inhumans for seven weeks because the two-parter, the first two episodes are one story. Mm -hmm. So now their plan is let's put our miniseries before the main show mm -hmm. and then air the main show. Maybe, maybe Inhumans is to pave the way to make Friday night Marvel night. Mm -hmm. Uh, who knows? There's uh, way too many questions. And again, they're all thrown at you at the very last 
very much how this season finale ended. Lots of questions, no answers. All of these answers from ABC come way too late without any kind of real explanation whatsoever. Yeah. I, again, I I love that there's more content. I love that we're going to get at least a series of between six and eight characters that are going to help flesh out this Inhumans universe that we've already created and have had for two and a half seasons. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I, it's just those little tiny scratching hallmarks on a window that I want to make sure we can open the window and enjoy rather than we open up the window. There's moths flying around because they've all been eaten. Right. And again, Friday is the day where things go to die typically. I, I, I can't wait for the paradigm to be broken. And that's actually where we ask you guys. What do you guys think of all of this last minute announcing, but more importantly, this new content that's come out, whether it be the, the Inhuman series that's coming, the move over to Friday evenings, or the platform of IMAX that's going to be the showcase for the very first two episodes of the Inhuman Effort. Tell us what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's over at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click on any one of the threads there and chime in or start one of your own. With the something strange out of the way, now it's time to jump into our shield dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I find something inside the episode that's either an outstanding actress portrayal, a memorable scene, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. What have you got for this episode, Nick? Much like the last handful of episodes, there's, there's several different ways I could have gone. Uh, I also, there there were a handful of things in here that I could uh, totally try to uh, rip apart. There are some nitpicking moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm going to stay positive, but very much like Mac, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about someone that we 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 touched upon, but we didn't really spend any time with, and I want to talk about John Hanna mm. and his portrayal as Doctor Radcliffe. Yeah, a a character that I had no idea what to expect when he was introduced last season. Too true. Was he a bad guy? Was he a villain? Was he just a misunderstood scientist? Again, left up for debate. But at the end, he went out as a decent piece of code or consciousness in the machine, a ghost in the machine, however you want to say it. Uh, Radcliffe, yes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and that is what the LMD experiments and the framework construction started out as I don't think we'd be talking about the character if we didn't have an actor portraying that character that again I will say caliber man we get this level of entertainer that comes in to play in the sandbox very similar to Bill Paxton and Powers Booth John Hanna is a great character actor who has done everything he's played the good guy he's played the bad guy he's played the sidekick he's played the leading man he's done everything Mm -hmm. and he gives yet again he gives this little comic book show validation because of the caliber of performer that he is Mm -hmm. and the level of professionalism he brings to the role and through that the storytelling that can be told just absolute kudos all around and I am sad to see that character go. I 
I, I too join you in that the, the scene was excellent. We we did something a little creative inside of his spot here when we were reviewing it, and I'm glad that right. you came back to him to give him that shove off. I think that's a great dossier point. I think mine is so incredibly short, but still so impactful, and it's got to be Yo-Yo seeing Hope go first. I mentioned this because, again, I didn't see it until the second time through. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I need you to go back to the scene where they show what looks like Mac hugging his little daughter with the daughter in his arms. And there's three different scenes. And it's right after the first one that you see. And then they snap over to, to Yo-Yo and she's crying and she just glances over and her, her, her face just falls apart. Mm-hmm. And then they snap back to Mac and he's got the he's got his arms crossed and he's and he's hugging her and won't let her go, and then they snap to a, a closer one in of Mac, and that's when they then pull away and she's missing. Right. Just d- absolute destructo moment inside of Daddydom, and it is it is so well done. In the same vein that we've talked about for so many actors, both in this series and lots of other things, inside the two guys talking verse. By saying nothing. Right. There's nothing that is said. There isn't some drippy musical thing that's going on. Nothing. It's just happening, and you take it in, and it smacks you in the face because it's so powerful. It's. It, it was even more powerful the second time because mm-hmm. I actually saw it. It's definitely my dossier moment for this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Season 4's episode 22, the season finale world's end let us know what you think by going again over to our facebook presence that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast click inside of any one of the threads that are there or start your own and tell us what struck you inside your shield dossier it's time to rate this episode season four's finale episode 22 world's end the scale works thusly over on the 10 side, you've got delicious dark chocolate. Over on the other end, a one, you have delicious dark chocolate being left behind by Russian idiot robots. <laughs> Everything starts at a seven. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what have you got? I, I want to, I'm going to list my grievances about this episode. Uh, and I'm going to start with the fact that this episode should have aired with the previous episode. The last two, episode 21 and 22, should have aired back-to-back, very much the way that they've been airing the season finales because you watched this episode twice. I did not, but I did watch last week's episode before watching this week's episode, and... When watched at in one sitting, the story makes a hell of a lot more sense. I can see that. I can totally see that. So, and again, don't understand why when it was working so well the last two years that you have a double dose for your season finale, why change things? Well, there's a lot of changing going on as we've talked about already. So that's a that, that's a strike, not a point, but a strike against this episode. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Another thing, the absolute ridiculousness of our Russian robot characters 
just totally keystone copying the fact that, oh, oh, shot, I'm shot, must run away. Hmm, did I forget something? Did I leave the stove on? Did I pick up vodka from the store? Was it no. the licorice whips I left on the table? Yeah, I, uh, oh, I left the dark chocolate behind. <laughs> Uh, I love that we have named that the dark chocolate. That is so the much The thing fun. is, though, is that we're not the only ones. I've seen online. <laughs> they're actually they're the okay. uh, fan of ours, uh, Dale Burning, actually mm. posted on our Facebook page a link to an article in which they have referred to the the dark hold as the dark chocolate bark. Yeah. <laughs> the dark chocolate the bark. The dark awesome. chocolate bark. So well, we're I'm not the only ones. <laughs> I'm glad we have jumped in on that craze. That's awesome. So, so the fact that that... That is a glaring strike. Another problem is is that over these last handful of episodes, the Russian has his own separate plan. And then Ophelia comes in all all, all hurt and heartbroken and wants to be a part of his plan as mm-hmm. well. And he gives her some sort of a part. But here's here's my biggest problem. We don't know what the Russian's plan is. Mm-hmm. We don't even get hints to it. We see other LMDs loading things into trucks and driving away, but we never go back to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We never learn what's supposed to be happening. And then by the end of this episode, Coulson's in space. So we know time has lapsed since the end of the Earth-based adventure, but did any of the Russians' plans come to fruition? That's one dangling plot thread that I feel needed needed to have more things ironed out. I, I, I wouldn't complain if it was still left a mystery what the final goal would be. Take that into season five. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But not having any idea whatsoever, it kind of seems like they forgot. With as fast-paced as these last two episodes were, it kind of seems like it got lost in the shuffle. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just me. And finally, my last Nick pick is the continuity error. It's blatantly staring you in the face when Robbie is wrapped in his chain in human form, talking to Daisy over Mac and Yo-Yo as they sleep in the framework while cut to epic battle that's not so epic but still a battle between Ghost Rider Coulson using fiery chain to kill Ophelia. So with all of those strikes, I mean, that's four strikes, so technically you're out. But since your rating system is so cuckoo-cachoo, <laughs> I am going to say this. I love this show. I've always loved this show, even during the times where you want to yell at it and, and say, be better, because season one, you wanted it to be better, and it did. It got better. The show now is connecting the movies more than the movies are connecting the TV show to the rest of the universe. Mm -hmm. This is a linchpin in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because this is your opportunity to see the day-to-day operations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where in a movie you're only getting maybe a couple of days, a couple of hours, or a couple of months if it's a origin story Mm -hmm. like Iron Man or Doctor Strange. Mm Mm-hmm. We need this show. This show makes the rest of the movie verse make sense mm-hmm. in well, a in, in a human 
sense because we, we are we're surrounded by aliens and gods and brilliant people who make suits of armor that can fly and shoot shit out of it. We need to have that human element. We need to have the Coulson element. The one thing that was present in all the earlier films leading up to Avengers. We need that. So I could never fault this show for a continuity error. I bring it up because, you know, I'm a filmmaker and a storyteller and things like that. They, but they fall through the crack. It happens. No big deal. But then there are some laughable moments when you've got your 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 robot Ruskies not paying attention to uh, their library books and leaving shit behind. So, unfortunately, I cannot give this season finale episode a 10. I can only give it a 9. I think that's incredibly well said. And I'm going to use a word that I would traditionally never use with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it is the word dumb. Mm. The reason I use the word dumb is because even with the other things that we cackled about and noted that were wrong that you just ran through wonderfully, the only one that is dumb that dings this episode for me is the dark holdly being left behind. Right. I mean, like, don't don't you get it, dude? <laughs> it, it It is the only thing you have that is power over anybody, including Ophelia. Yeah. And that you... Like, you can be shot, nothing happens. You can be beat on by humans, nothing really happens. As long as you don't get your face sliced off by another shield moment, right. you're going to be just fine. So bend over, pick up the book, and leave. So, you know, the uh, we've talked ad nauseum now for a very long podcast <laughs> about why this is awesome. So I'm not going to run back through it all. But when we toss on the pace, you toss on the rich storytelling, you toss on that this is going to be Lego blocks that literally lock into what we're going to see both in the Marvel Universe inside of three feature films this year, that it's going to lock hand in hand, not just storatorily from the stories that are going to be told inside of the Inhumans program. It's literally going to be connected by osmosis because the program is the hour exactly after Agents appears for at least a series of eight weeks until that show then gets picked up, which I have to assume that there's at least one season that's hiding in there that's going to get picked up to do something to foster along the characters that are going to be introduced and forwarded inside of, hopefully, something inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season, but then also whatever happens inside of the Inhuman season. So there's that. You have to take that all into account, and that's why you can't leave the dark hole behind. You can have it absconded some other way and they got a hold of it and then the rest of the episode happens. Mm. Absolutely. But it cannot just bah, screw that. Let's run out of here. We're getting shot, comrade. No. You you, you can't do that. Yeah. And so that is my one ding, which takes my usual 10 score down to a 9 also for this episode. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this season's finale? Season 4, episode 22, World's End. Tell us what you thought of everything inside of this, including the pace, including the acting portrayals. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. And remember, you've got to get us your feedback in across this and our other episodes so that we can use it inside of our next episode, which is the all-fan input episode for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. And remember, you go to our website over at agentsofshield.tv, click on the contact button, and send it in now. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
grateful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication.